Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part five of his teaching, Healing is Yours. Praise the Lord. This morning we're going to be talking about ministering as a sent one. And it'll be part five of our series, Healing is Yours. So let's jump right in and read a few scriptures, one of which I alluded to last week, because I want to bring something out more fully than I have so far. Matthew 4.23, New King James. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Amen. So you see a pattern there. Teaching, preaching, and healing. Amen. Amen. Matthew 9, 35, almost verbatim, the same sort of thing. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So once again, you see the pattern. Jesus went about all cities and villages teaching and preaching and healing. Of his daily routine, one-third of his activities had to do with healing people. Think about it like that. So it wasn't an afterthought. It was a huge part of his ministry. It was a big part of what was sent by the Father to do. Amen. So with that in mind, it's important to note that the people who received from Jesus had two things in common. Number one, they believed that Jesus was sent to them by God. They believed that Jesus was sent to them by God. Number two, they came to hear what Jesus had to say. They came to hear... What Jesus had to say. So let's uh, break into number one. Let's unpack that a little bit. They believed that Jesus was sent to them by God. You see that in the constant cry of the masses throughout the Gospels. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on us. Amen. You know, that's a messianic cry. It's a recognition that he was a descendant of David and he was the one that was to be sent to them by God. So Jesus boldly declared that he was anointed and that he was sent from God. And it was a major emphasis of his preaching. Let me show you that in the word, if you would. Luke 4.18, New King James Version. Here... Jesus is in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. And the Bible says it was his custom to get up and read the scriptures. And so he read the scriptures just like he always did. Only there was something special in store for this reading. He's actually quoting from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 61, we would call it, but they didn't have chapters. Everything they read was on scrolls. But Jesus is reading from Isaiah, Luke 4.18. And he said to all the people in the synagogue, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives 
and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Amen. I like to think about this as a mission statement. Jesus is saying, I came to earth, sent to you by the Father, and this is my mission. Amen. And in that mission statement, you can find spiritual salvation, healing from emotional pain and trauma, healing from physical ailments, and deliverance from all forms of oppression. Amen. All tied to two key statements he makes at the very beginning of the verse. He, that is God the Father, He has sent me to preach the gospel, and He has sent me to heal. Amen. So healing was much more than a side issue with Jesus. You know, a lot of preachers out there that I've heard say that healing was just a side issue. And they do that to, to basically delegitimize modern day healing. It's not important. I just preach the gospel. Good news for you, pal. You can't preach the gospel without preaching healing. Amen. Ha. So as I've said many times in this series, healing was an integral part of the gospel that Jesus preached. And it was a huge part of what he was sent to do. Amen. So bottom line, if you read through the gospels, you will find that those who believe Jesus was sent to them by God received healing from him. But those who did not believe he was sent to them by God did not. Did not. Amen. I'm reminded, I think you find it in Luke chapter 5. I didn't plan on preaching this, so just roll with me. Jesus was teaching in Peter's house in Capernaum, and it said that there were doctors and lawyers there of the law of God Pharisees, scribes of that kind of thing. And they were there, and it says the power of the Lord was present there to heal. The power of the Lord was present there to heal. But none of those doctors of the law got healed because they did not believe that Jesus was sent to them by God. The only guy that got healed in that episode was a guy that was lowered through the roof on a stretcher by his four friends. And Jesus said, take up your bed and walk home. Amen. Why? They evidently believed that Jesus was sent to them by God so much so that they tore the roof off to get the guy down there and put him at the feet of Jesus so he could be healed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So number one, the ones that received from him believed that he was sent to them by God. And then number two, they came to hear what Jesus had to say. They listened to his teaching they listened to his preaching, and they participated in the healing. Amen. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. King James Version. It's talking about the reputation of Jesus. It says, But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. They came to hear... And be healed. Amen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you, you got to know that part of what Jesus taught was healing. So they came to hear and be healed. You find almost the identical statement in Luke 6, 17. Talking about Jesus, it says, And he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people 
out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Again, they came to hear and to be healed. So the multitudes that followed Jesus followed him because of the miracles and healings that he performed. Isn't that right? And those miracles advertised and validated his ministry. Jesus himself referred to his supernatural works and offered them up as proof that he was sent to them by God. He said, in effect, if you're having trouble believing that I am he, just look at the works that I'm doing. I couldn't do these works if God wasn't working through me. Let me show you that in the Word, John 14, verse 10 through 12. Jesus speaking again here. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. He's saying the works that I'm doing is God working through me. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So he's saying, listen, again, if you're having trouble with me, knowing me that I came from Nazareth, that I grew up in Galilee, i got brothers and sisters that still live there, you know all about me, if you're still having trouble believing that I am he, just again look at the works that I'm doing In the name of my Father, He's working through me. And that's proof that I was sent to you by God. And then, of course, verse 12, the one that we all love. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Amen. We talked about that last week. Amen. So if you will get this revelation down in your heart, that you are sent by God into your world, into your circle of influence, if you'll get that down in your heart, you will minister with more boldness and confidence as a result. And miracles and healings will begin to follow you. John 17 Verse 17 through 20, this is a prayer that Jesus is praying in the upper room before he went to Gethsemane. Verse 17, he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify means to set apart. So Jesus was saying, Lord, I want you to set them apart by your truth or by your word. Amen. Now listen to this. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Amen. Who's he talking about? Well, let's keep reading. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So there's your answer. He was praying for the disciples And anyone who would believe in Jesus because of their word. That's you and me. Everybody here came to Jesus because you believe the gospels that these men wrote. Amen. Isn't that right? Is that not right? So he's looking down through the ages at all Christians. And he's saying, Lord, set them apart by your word. Your word is truth. Amen. 
So God sent Jesus into the world, and then Jesus turned around and sent us into the world. Amen. Praise the Lord. See yourself as a sent one. Well, listen, I'm going to give you a little mission statement, a little practical how-to to, to sort of finish this lesson out. It's great to talk about being a sent one, but what does that mean practically in my everyday life? How do I take this into my world, into my circle of influence? So we're going we're gonna to round this out, and we're going to talk for the remainder of the message about methods of ministering healing. I'm just going to be able to touch on some of these because each of these could be a series to themselves uh, that would last to the end of the year. Amen. I want to talk about methods of ministering healing, and I want to say, number one, the number one way that you minister healing is laying on of hands. It's the most prevalent thing that you do, at least among the spirit-filled, full gospel crowd. Some of our denominational brethren are a little skittish about laying hands on people. It seems weird to him. It seems very, very natural to me. Amen. So laying on hands is the most commonly used method of ministering healing in our circles. Whether you minister by the anointing, which we'll talk about in a minute, by a gift of the Spirit, or through the prayer of faith, laying on hands is an effective way to minister healing. Listen, it conveys love and warmth and provides a physical point of contact for a person to use as a starting point for their faith. Amen. Mark 16, 18, this is a portion of the Great Commission, which we talked about last week. This is Jesus speaking about these signs shall follow them that believe. Mark 16, 18 says, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Is there anything wobbly about that statement? It's pretty concrete, isn't it? The problem is, many times, we don't believe it. <laughs> Listen, if you believe that word and go forth in faith, it will manifest for you. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I told you last week. My M.O. when it comes to ministering healing is I always begin by laying hands on them and believing by faith, according to Mark 16, 18, that they will recover. And if a gift of the Spirit manifests, so much the better. If the anointing comes on me, so much the better. But I'm going to start by faith in obedience to Jesus' command. Amen? Hallelujah. Number two. Number two way, and these aren't in any order of importance, just so you know. Number two, the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. Many times, those we minister to need to lean on a corporate faith in order to receive their healing. They, they need to be surrounded by people of like mind and like faith that love them. Amen? And that are for them, that are with them. So I believe this is one of the reasons for the anointing with oil and the prayer of faith that James talks about. So let's go to James 5 and read that. James 5, 14 and 15. James asks a question, is anyone among you sick? To me, it's like it should be a rare thing. Is anyone among you sick? 
And then he provides the remedy. Let him call for the elders of the church. And that can also be mature saints. It doesn't have to be elders, quote unquote, appointed elders. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Amen. So you can actually anoint somebody with oil if they're having a sin problem and they're sick in their body, and the Lord can take care of them both. Amen. They can be saved from their sin, and they can be healed. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So as was the case with the laying on of hands, the prayer of the elders or mature saints coupled with the warmth of the anointing oil, It provides a point of contact that helps the person that's sick latch onto the prayers of other mature believers by faith. And they derive a synergy and they can add their faith to theirs and we can see people healed in this way. Amen. So it's not proper to say don't pray for the sick. I'm going to qualify that statement by showing you that this is an exception to the rule. Okay. Hold that thought in your mind. I will explain. All right, number three way that you can minister healing is through gifts of the Spirit. The most important thing you have to remember about gifts of the Spirit is that they are distributed through us according to the will of the Spirit of God. You cannot manufacture a gift of the Spirit. You cannot make a word of knowledge happen. You cannot make a word of wisdom happen. If you do, you're going to make a fool of yourself. All right, so let's read the gifts of the Spirit here. And as I go through, I'm going to show you that some of these work together with gifts of healing and the anointing and gifts of the Spirit. They all work together in combination in ways that are difficult to describe. So the best way I can think of to do that is to just go through the list of gifts and then talk a little bit about the ones that are used prominently in healing ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11, New King James Version. This is a list of all the nine gifts, the supernatural charismatic gifts as they come to be known, of the Spirit. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Other translations say for the benefit of all. So the gifts of the Spirit are for the benefit of all, the saved and the unsaved, the churched and the unchurched. Amen. People who don't know anything about the gifts of the Spirit can still receive from gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom. Word of wisdom involves future tense things about a person, a place, or a thing. An example might be you would call somebody up and say, you just told me the doctor saw two tumors in your left lung. Three days from now, when you go to the doctor, those tumors are going to be gone. That is a word of wisdom coupled with a gift of the Spirit, most likely gifts of healing or the anointing. Do you see that? It's future tense. And by the way, if you want a full treatment of the gifts of the Spirit, a couple of months ago, it's in the podcast. Go find it. It's a couple of months ago, a long series where I go into gifts of the Spirit in great detail. I really recommend that you do that. All right, then, uh, to another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Here's an example. You call somebody forward. Ten years ago, the Lord just revealed to me that you were in a terrible car wreck, 
and your spine was damaged, and it's never been the same. God's going to heal you today. That's word of knowledge operating with other things like gifts of healings or the anointing. All right. To another, faith by the same spirit. Well, the mere fact that faith is mentioned as a gift tells me that it is a gift that is beyond your ordinary level of faith. You know, Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit, one of them is faith, right? So we have faith because we're born again. We have an element of faith on the inside of us. But sometime, sometimes, and this has happened to me a couple of times, you will encounter a situation that requires a level of faith far higher than what you're operating in on a day-to-day basis. And if you're the only vessel available, God will drop gift of faith on you to believe God for some pretty amazing things. Last week, I think I shared about Andy Edlin and the shoulder blade that was grown under my left hand. That was gift of faith, and that was also working of miracles because bone had to grow, blood vessels had to grow, tendons and muscles had to grow for that shoulder to be reformed. So anytime you got matter that has to be created, that's working of miracles. Anytime you believe God for a hole in somebody's back to become a shoulder blade, believe me, that's, that's gift of faith because I was not there in my everyday walk of faith. Everybody see that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. You know, sometimes you'd be praying for somebody, just laying hands on them, and you don't feel a thing, and all of a sudden you feel like a spark comes off your hand. That's happened to me before, and somebody's instantly healed. That's gifts of healing. To another working of miracles, I just shared the one where, you know, I saw a man's leg grow uh, six inches in the blink of an eye to be as long as the other one, and he was an orthopedic surgeon. He acknowledged that there was no help for him in medical science. But God healed him in a nanosecond. I mean, that thing just popped out. He just went, pop! And I remember that popping sound. And the next time I heard it was 13 years later when I prayed for Andy Edlin's shoulder. And I heard that same popping and grinding. Only his was a little slower. It came out slow, but it was still a miracle. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. To another prophecy. Prophecy, listen, in its simplest form is to bring edification, comfort, and exhortation to the body of Christ. I can't think of an example off the top of my head that would segue with healing. I'm sure there is one. To another, discerning of spirits. Now, discerning of spirits, if you break down the original language, means to be able to see into the spirit realm. This has happened to me a number of times. And you might be praying for somebody, and they're having, you're having trouble getting them healed And then you see in the spirit and you see that a demon spirit is responsible for their affliction. You have to deal with the demon spirit before they can be healed. Amen. I prayed for a girl that was deaf in her left ear for 25 years uh, since she was a toddler. And uh, I prayed for her and it just felt like my prayers were just bouncing off. I was making confessions over her and it felt like they were bouncing off. And the Lord said she has a spirit of infirmity. Now, I did not see the spirit, but the Lord told me it was present. Okay. So it might be a, some people teach that that's a lower form of discerning of spirits. I kind of think it might've been, you know, word of knowledge. Either way, I was alerted by the Lord that this woman had a spirit of infirmity. And so I said, you foul spirit of deafness, come out in Jesus name, put my finger in her ear and her ear popped open. And she heard for the first time in 25 years. So discerning of spirits could be very vital 
in operating in healing uh, to the masses. All right. All right. Verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Just remember, let the gifts of the Spirit surprise you. Don't try to work them up. Amen? Hallelujah. And then the healing anointing. And this is really wild, and this is really crazy, and it's really hard to understand, but it's in the Bible, so hear me out. Acts 10.38, King James Version. Now, before I read it, I want to give you a basic definition of the anointing. I believe the anointing is a special concentration of the power and the presence of the Lord that comes on you like a mantle. You know, in the Old Testament, they would anoint the new king with oil, and the oil would stream from the top of his head and go all the way down through his body as a symbol that the Holy Spirit was upon him. But that's a type of the anointing. So it's a special concentration of the anointing on a person that's ministering in the name of Jesus. Case in point, Jesus was anointed. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So he had an anointing to heal. And I believe primarily Jesus ministered out of that anointing. Acts chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, New King James. This is talking about the early church as it began to explode in growth. In verse 14 it says, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out of the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. That's some pretty wild stuff, don't you think? You just let Peter's shadow touch you and you get healed? Now, I'm here to tell you it has nothing to do with his shadow. It's about proximity. If you could get close enough to Peter that his shadow would fall on you, you were close enough for that anointing to reach out and heal you. Do you see that? Pretty amazing stuff. Pretty amazing stuff. Amen. Not only was Peter anointed, but Paul was anointed. Acts 19, 11 through 12, New King James Version. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. You know, one translation says God worked extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. You know, that means that there were ordinary miracles that he did, but then there were some that were far over and above. They were extraordinary. Amen. Listen, I want the ordinary miracles, but I want the extraordinary miracles too. Amen. Now, God worked unusual, extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Listen to this, mind blower. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. When I taught in the Bible school back in Louisiana that Trisha and I ran for 10 years, when I taught on the anointing, I taught this basic tenet. The anointing has two T's that tells you it is tangible and it is transferable. The anointing is tangible and transferable. Tangible means it can be felt. Many times it's like a heat. Sometimes it's like vibrating electricity. But it can also be transferred. You see, the anointing 
was placed on Paul. They put handkerchiefs on, say, his chest. And the anointing that was on Paul went into the handkerchiefs. Then they took the transferred anointing. However that works, it's up to God. I don't understand it. But somehow or another, that anointing was transferred to the handkerchief. And then the handkerchief was laid on somebody that was demon-possessed, and the demon came out. Or somebody that was sick, and they were healed. The anointing is tangible and transferable. There's no other way to understand it. And especially this last story here that I'm going to read you about the anointing, you do not understand this story unless you understand that the, the anointing is tangible and transferable. 2 Kings 13, 20-21, New King James Version. Then Elisha, this is the prophet Elisha, then Elisha died and they buried him and the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in spring of the year. So it was as they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. So get the picture. They see the bad guys coming. They're trying to bury this young man, and they got no way out. The only thing they can think of to do was uh, go to the entrance of Elisha's tomb and put the guy in there. They put him on the bones of Elisha, and he was raised from the dead. What does that tell you? There was still anointing on Elisha's bones years, decades after he had died. The anointing was still there, and it raised somebody from the dead. I just get chills thinking about that. That's amazing. Don't understand it, but I believe it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So the anointing is tangible and transferable. So don't make fun of people who use prayer cloths. Okay? It is a real legitimate thing. If the person that they put them on is really anointed, that's the key. Amen? People get squirrely with everything, but listen, it is legitimate. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, praise the Lord. Number five thing I want to talk about is speaking the word and commanding healing. Listen, when Jesus ministered healing throughout the New Testament, he didn't pray for the sick. He spoke to the sick and commanded them to be healed. Amen? I'm not saying prayer is wrong because we just covered James 5.14. Listen, in John 5, he spoke to the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda, and he said, do you want to be healed? The guy's like, well, I, I, every time somebody tries to put me in the water, you know, somebody gets in first. He said, take up your bed and walk. And the guy was like, okay. Took up his bed and walked. In Luke chapter 6, there was a man in the synagogue where Jesus was teaching. And he had a withered hand. You know what he said? He said, stand up and come forward. Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. So it would be like me saying, stand up and come forward. To one of you. And as he came forward, he said, stretch out your hand. And his hand was withered and dried up, and he stretched it out. Amen. Glory to God. In Mark chapter 5, when he came into the room where Jairus' daughter was dead, lying on the bed, he said, little girl, I say unto you, arise. And she was raised from the dead. This is the way we need to minister healing. Because it's the way that Jesus patterned for us. Amen. Speak to the thing. Speak to the disease. Curse it if you need to. Be led by the Spirit, but speak directly to the problem. 
You know, Mark eleven twenty three, King James Version, little known scripture. Just a joke. Let's read that. For verily I say unto you, this is Jesus speaking, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. There's two important things I want you to notice in this passage. You've probably heard this preached. Number one, there's three times as much speaking and saying in this scripture as there is in believing. The emphasis is on speaking. And the other thing I want you to notice is Jesus doesn't say that you shall have what you say when God believes what you say will come to pass. No. It says that you shall have what you say when you believe what you say will come to pass. Amen. I use this method, as I said before, almost exclusively when I minister healing, and I find that I get better results when I do. Just speak to the disease, command it to go. Speak to the tumor, command it to shrivel up and die. Whatever the Lord leads you to say, say something. Amen. There's something about speaking words of faith that moves things in the natural to line up with the supernatural. There's just something about it. you got to charge the atmosphere with faith. And the more you do this, the more faith will rise up within you as you speak. All right, so all of those five methods are valid. And then lastly, I want to talk about combinations of all of the above. Sometimes God will move in a manner in which gifts of the Spirit operate simultaneously and combinations of the methods I've mentioned are used. For example, many times a minister will call out sickness, disease by a word of knowledge and then lay hands on the person, healing them through the gifts of healing. So there's word of knowledge and gifts of healing working in tandem together. Sometimes he may not even call you up to lay hands on you. He just calls out the the condition and you're healed. Amen. You could anoint someone with oil, lay hands on them, and gifts of healing could operate. Or the anointing could manifest. These are just a few examples that come to mind. But it's important not to put God in a box and to allow Him to move freely, even if it's in ways that you're not accustomed to and that maybe you're a little uncomfortable with. So let me wrap this up by saying this. If you will boldly declare to those you minister to, that you are sent to them from God, they'll be more likely to receive from you. People will begin to come to you so they can hear and be healed. And you can show them in the Word where it says that God wants them well. Then lay hands on them and believe they will be healed. So regardless of the method you use to minister healing, see yourself as a sent one. See yourself as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, as a representative of the living God, and watch what God will do through you. Amen. Next week, we'll wrap up the series, Hindrances to Receiving Healing. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed part five of Dr. Forrest's teaching, Healing is Yours. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, 
Come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for Coffee and Fellowship and 10.30 for Worship and Service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.